branch is disjointed. Grace where we can find mercy and grace to help us in the time of need. Thank you, Lord. All of our needs are met. Thank you, Father. All of our needs are met. All of our needs are met. Thank you, Lord. They're met according to your riches and your glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the Lord does want me to speak about needs and and, uh, meeting needs. Um, And the Lord is saying that uh, he said, he says, don't go backwards in your thinking. Concern about needs is cheap stuff. He said it's the cheap stuff. And if the, for the enemy to take you back into being concerned about needs, once you have mastered having your needs met through me, is selling out cheap, says the Spirit of God. And he says if you will commit to trust me beyond where you're comfortable. Trust me beyond where you're comfortable. You will get a breakthrough into a realm of met needs that you have never seen before, says the Spirit of the living God. Many of you have allowed the devil to condemn you and make you think that your needs cannot be met through your faith in me and through your faith in the word. And he says, come out. Come out today and quit playing things so cheap because I want you to expand your thinking to such a realm that there is unlimited provision, unlimited flow in your life, unlimited blessings, unlimited goodness. And he says this. He says, many of you are picking up ideas. The devil, you stop it in Jesus' name. Many of you are picking up ideas from sources that I have not ordained for you to listen to. Stay away from bad company. It corrupts good manners. Stay away from bad company because it corrupts good manners. In other words, I've taught you to eat with a knife and a fork. Don't go back to your fingers again. But every voice that you hear has an effect on you. Whether you believe it or not, it has an effect on you. Negative influences weaken your faith. Worldly influences rob you of your spiritual future. So stay in the household of faith. Keep your ear to the things of God. Keep your heart open to the people of God. That's where your safety is. That's where you're to draw life and to draw sustenance. But don't sell out so cheap, says the Lord. Don't play me cheap, says God. I am your father and your provider. And I delight in giving you what you desire. And what more could you ask for, says the spirit of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.
Praise God. Okay, so today we're going to talk about where is your treasure? Speaking of <laughs> speaking of things, where is your treasure? And so, uh, you know, Jesus taught many things in parables. Um, <laughs> with that, even a child could understand, as they say, you know, what he was speaking about. Um, it's It's amazing to me, many people don't understand even though he spoke in parables they'll always credit jesus with saying things he never said always say he was talking about this and he wasn't he was talking about something else and so when he speaks in parables it is because it is something that's really important that fits into the overall picture of christian doctrine and our life in god and so in Matthew chapter 6, and this is really part of what the, is spoken about as the Beatitudes, you notice starting in Matthew 5, Jesus talks about many, many, many subjects. He covers a lot of things that have to do with life. And he introduces the New Testament or the New Covenant. And there are some things that are a little bit changed, a little bit different but the essence really of anything that Jesus taught is that we would keep our faith in God, that we would always trust God and, and be devoted to him because that's where the best life is. Now, when you choose God, you're going to make some enemies. You're going to what you believe will run counter to what everybody else in the world believes. You believe that if you uh, devote yourself to God in prayer and 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 uh, fasting and and uh, keeping a regular schedule of prayer, you believe that that will give you a better life than if you didn't do that. And you're going to find many people who will take issue with it. Uh, you know, ain't you allowed to do something else? And don't you get tired of no, 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 and no? I'm tired of your raggedy self sitting up running your mouth like you know something these people don't have a heaven to invite you to or a hell to put you in so they have no power no authority over your life unless you invite them in and give it to them and so this is why we have to be careful about where we get our information now you may think a casual conversation with somebody is not giving them spiritual authority in your life but the Lord says, be careful what you hear and how you hear. What you hear means to be careful what you subject yourself to, conversations that you get yourself involved in. How you hear means do you hear by the spirit or do you hear with your emotions and your flesh? And so the enemy likes to get you involved with people that you have emotional ties with that you can't quite break free from that kind of stuff he also likes to get you involved with people you like by the flesh so that that's an open door that's how you hear you start hearing uh, by the flesh you know sometimes you have people you admire take for instance you might have somebody in your workplace that's prospered and done well and of course you want to to understand that too now, you don't realize that they're using the same laws of prosperity that you are, except yours has no curse with it. Yours is only blessing. 
your stuff is already given and they're breaking their neck striving for what they get but you still want to look up to them anyway because they got it already and you're still waiting on yours huh so the enemy knows that he'll put people like that around you he'll put people around you that can influence you and little by little suck the spiritual life out of you 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 wake up one morning your battery's dead amen and you don't know how to get it jump started amen amen and and many times we find ourselves in predicaments of our own making and we don't really realize how we got there and it's generally from influences that little by little have sucked the life out of your spiritual life and sucked the faith out of you so that you're no longer standing in the realm where god can bless you and where he can help you the devil is subtle But I tell you one thing, you can always locate a person by what they have in their storehouse and where their storehouse is located. And that is what the Bible means by treasure. So in Matthew 6, starting in verse 19, he says this. He says, lay up for yourselves, not treasure upon earth. So don't be concerned about amassing earthly riches don't lay up treasure on earth where moth and rust corrupts and where thieves can break in and steal so you've got a couple of or three things going on against you when you're laying up treasure in earthly riches number one they deteriorate amen they can be used up so when he talks about moth and rust and stuff like that it's if you keep storing up earthly treasure it can easily be um, uh, marred or damaged uh, or uh, disfigured you know like for instance if you choose your basement as a place where you like to store stuff if that little sump pump fails that's what I've had in my last two homes if that thing fails and there's a flood and the sewers back up all that stuff that you got stored down there has to get thrown out and and don't say i got insurance you paying that insurance are you kidding me you pay more than they pay out that's how they stay in business so it's not about having things insured some things cannot be replaced Hmm? some things are that valuable to you as a person they cannot be replaced so jesus says where your storehouse is that's where your treasure is your storehouse can only be in one of two places either heaven or earth and so when you look at where where is your storehouse you need to understand that the bulk of your spiritual estate or the bulk of your treasure storehouse must be in heaven if you're going to please god that's number one that's taken for granted earthly riches are not what god put us here for in fact jesus told us don't even worry about or take any thought for what we're going to need while we're here on this earth yet most of your prayer requests have to do with what usually finances is always finances and secondarily is health the things that pertain to this life where god says he's already provided for those things see if we could take him at his word and not get into fear over lack 
And then once we understand that fear of lack points to a treasure house down here on earth. See, that's where we're trying to store up because if we weren't trying to do that, we wouldn't be concerned about it. We'd obey the word. So when he says take no thought, he means don't worry about it. Don't fear about it. Don't be concerned about it. But you must pass God's test in order to see the provision and the abundance on a regular basis. So many times God is just trying us to see how we'll respond in times of testing. And in in market, you will be tested. I mean, God doesn't really, you can say you have faith, but that faith is going to have to be able to be put under some pressure and withstand the pressure in order for it to produce what we want it to produce. This is not a test that God devised to see how much we can stand. You know, a lot of people think that that way about God. Uh, you know, we're, we're going through something that if it, it don't kill you, it makes you stronger. Well, that's stupid. Amen. You know, it, it, that, it doesn't work like that. But that's a carnal man's way of trying to describe spiritual truth. Yeah. The truth of the matter is, if your faith rope ain't strong enough, it can't pull something from the glory realm over into the natural realm. It'll snap before you get it over here. The power that's in the realm of the spirit in glory is the strongest power that it's over there building your life for you. The, the, the anointing of God and the glory of God is what's building what you're praying for. And your faith, which is over here, it crosses a line from spiritual to natural. And your faith is over here. Let me hear this. Sorry about that, sweetie. Your shawl, your, your scarf. Yeah. I know it's wonderful and it's beautiful. But I said, oh, that's the perfect thing that I need. See? Okay, you take one in. We're not going to rip it. Or don't pull it hard or anything. And I'll pull the other in. But see, if this is glory over here, making your stuff, her faith, this is her faith. Now, she's got to pull it. And you can pull. she got to pull this. Don't be snatching from God. Look at some manners about yourself, you naughty girl. <laughs> yeah. So it's got to be strong enough to pull it from over here where it's being made over into the natural realm where you can partake of it. That's all God's doing with testing our faith. See, you put it out there and the line snaps and you say, oh, what's taking so long? Huh? What did I do wrong? You've done nothing wrong. You just got to keep building strength into your faith. And so once you realize it's it's not of the quality or the strength sufficient to reel that in, because some of y'all got some big stuff on the end of them lines. You know, a seven-room house with 15 bathrooms. We don't know who's going to clean all that, but that's for another story for another day. You understand what I'm saying? We got some big fish on the end of the hook sometimes. And so that's going to take devotion, concentration, faithfulness, not giving up. Even when it gets tough pulling it in, you got to stay on your end of that rope and keep building strength. If you need to, you know, if your rope is, you know, like twine is, sometimes you can get three 
uh, three rope twine but if you need to add another rope into that twine and make it stronger you've got to do all of those things necessary so that you can pull it from the realm of glory over into the natural realm and so God and then when you get it in you have to maintain it and so when God starts looking at the realm of faith and the faith that you need to do the things that you need to do he's looking at all of that he's not looking at you just getting it He's looking at you taking care of it, maintaining it, because if it's a desire of your heart, it must be precious to you. And he wants it to remain precious to you. One of the things that happens sometimes when we receive things from God, if we don't really keep our treasure in the right compartments and understand how to guard our heart and that kind of stuff, you'll start to despise what it is that he blessed you with. Anybody ever had small things you start with and you take care of them and then somehow after a while you take a house for instance. When you've lived in a house where they say the average homeowner uh, sells their home every seven years. And sometimes we stay beyond that. You know, sometimes it's just expedient for you to hang on to it for a longer time. And then all of a sudden God starts nudging you that he wants to... um upgrade you give you a better home you know your home is your investment that's where most of your money is invested is in that house listen when you make payments ain't rent a mortgage ain't rent a mortgage means you own it don't have a renter's mentality with a mortgage that mortgage means that you worked hard and paid and that's your investment right there you got to protect that But see, if you pick up the renter's mentality, thank you, Lord, the renter's mentality, when you're in the midst of owning, you will abandon it once it gets to be a problem to you. I don't care if y'all like that or not. Somebody needs to hear that. Because your investment, what else are you invested in down here that you can pass on to your children? Or that you, did you know when you get enough equity in the house, you can borrow against that for the things you really like? You see what I'm saying? See, nobody ever tells you that <laughs> because they don't want you to know. You understand what I'm saying? That that's the most valuable thing that you will ever own. Yet some people would rather go get a car, spend more on a car than they do a home and never really own anything. And I'm telling you, when God brought Israel to the promised land, everybody got a place to live first that they owned for generations. It was a sin to remove the ancient landmarks. Whatever was given when they drew lots for this parcel and that parcel, they put them stakes in the ground. When the Bible says lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, that means you're expanding in property, folks. Come on now. That means go look for another house. That means go get your upgrade. Go get what God has for you. It's what that means. But it's amazing to me how many people will dislike where they live and consider it to be nothing. And all God is telling you is time for an upgrade. He ain't told you to hate where you live. He ain't told you to abandon it. He's not told you it's not worth anything. It's all junk. He didn't tell you that devil told you that you know why because see the faith to maintain takes a little bit more discipline a little bit more finesse than the taste to obtain 
Because when you got it, you were happy to get it. Sing that for me, Cece. Yeah, you don't know what to see. What, what are you doing over there behind that tree? They had mine a tree. Remember, strong faith. Remember you had nothing and got excited when you got something. Up, down, high, low. Yeah, there you go. See, remember when you had nothing and knew it was God when you got something and put a big smile on your face when he answered your prayer? You understand that? He wants us to live like that every day. So you don't get sour on the stuff God gave you to bless you even when it's time for your upgrade. You don't start over again from scratch. You build on what he's given you. All he's saying is time for an upgrade. He ain't told you to get mad at nobody, get mad at the landlord, get mad at the mortgage people. It don't take all that to get an upgrade. But the devil will take that. And turn it into something negative. See, you don't have to get mad at your landlord and fall out with him to go get a bigger apartment. Just move. (laughs) Unpack your baggage and move. You understand what I'm saying? Just find where God wants you to be. You don't have to get mad with nobody. You don't have to fall out with nobody. You don't have to get upset with nobody. Just pack your crap and get to getting. Put one foot in front of the other one. You don't have to make a judgment. You don't have to judge your dwelling place. Hey, we all started as fixer-uppers. I don't know about you, but my life was worth zero when I met the Lord. Amen? So I know what it's like to be a fixer-upper and somebody come in and and, uh, put a facelift on this and beautify that and core this out and get to the foundation. I know what that's like. And so God wants us all to look at that, the beauty of things that he places in our life. Don't ever despise your life or yourself or what God puts in your life. Cut it out. You don't have to go carnal to (laughs) when they go low, we go high, all that crazy stuff. You don't have to, you don't have to get involved in all that kind of nonsense. Come on now. Your life is high all the time. Everything God gave you is worth something. It's worth holding on to. It's worth taking care of. And when it's time for your upgrade, you will get your upgrade. Amen. You getting mad about where you are is not preparing you for an upgrade. It's preparing you for the tree lawn if you ain't careful. You understand what I'm saying? You you can get there even as a saint. I'm a saint that gives. I'm a tither. You can be on the tree lawn too, sister. You understand me? You let your heart get get raw in that and get ungrateful and, and angry and deceitful and all that kind of stuff. You'll be in a hot mess. So God wants us to understand our treasure, where our storehouse is. And he says, don't lay it up for yourselves upon earth. He said, forget this place. Now you got to live here. 
You can be blessed here. You can have the best the earth has to offer. No two ways about it. But he said, don't get your heart wrapped up in it. Don't let this be all there is to your life. And he says, because things will wear out here and thieves can break through and steal. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Oh. Heaven. Oh. I need stuff down here. Uh, uh, can you listen for a minute? He said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Why? For the security factor. For the security factor. See, there's a security factor involved when you lay up treasures in heaven. When you let heaven become your storehouse. He says, it won't wear out. It won't be stolen. It'll be well taken care of. and will always be there for you. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, where is your storehouse? That's where your heart is also. Your heart speaks and directs your steps, your voice, and your interest. What comes out of your heart. Your life reflects what you desire and what you like. People invest in what they love. People invest in what they love. I always think to myself, if if there's nothing else. See, when I was a sinner, it was always something I wanted. You know, I lived off wants. When you went to work, you worked to supply wants. When you did everything, it was to supply wants. And I could never imagine a life without wants. Now, that's what God provides for us. He tells you that. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall have no want, lack, uh, nothing in your heart that, that you can't, you don't feel satisfied about. You're, you're restless about it until you get it, all that kind of stuff. That does not exist anymore when God is your God. Where he leads you, where he guides you, there's satisfaction. If you look at the 23rd Psalm, you look at the picture of somebody who is totally satisfied with life wherever God leads them. If you're not sure if God has led you to where you are, find a place in the spirit where you can park your ride until you can figure out where you're supposed to be. But I can tell you that place, wherever God places you, spiritually speaking, is a place of contentment satisfaction abundance you have a sense that there is abundance there if you are sensing lack or feeling lack or fearing lack that's because you haven't located that place in the spirit where you can abide in god where you don't experience that it's all a matter of where you're located spiritually speaking and so God has provided a place for us where there is no lack, where we experience nothing but satisfaction and abundance. I don't care what your natural circumstances look like. Amen. He, he's your shepherd. He's your guide. As long as he's with you, that's your satisfaction. And that's why he tells us he will never leave us, never forsake us. He won't leave you high and dry. He won't leave you in a lurch. He won't leave you defenseless where you can't help yourself. 
I remember my husband talking about this guy he had known since they were really children. Went to high school together and everything. And, and uh, I was mentioning him one time. He said, uh, he said, he said, yeah, he said, he's my buddy and everything, but uh, you can't trust him. He, he, he dirty. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. He said, he said, the two of them were out one night drinking or something and the police stopped them. He said, and uh, he said, I didn't have my drive. Well, something the other guy was driving. So he got to go home. They took Aubrey to jail. And he said, he said, you know, that dude never told, told nobody I was in jail. He said, he didn't go to get me out of this. I said, well, how'd you get out of jail? He said, Floyd Oliver. Anybody know Norman Minor and Floyd Oliver? <laughs> Criminals defense. Well, if you got, if you got age old perpetrators in your family, you know who they are. In Cleveland, they were like the criminal defense attorneys in Cleveland. You know, I, I had gone over to, to Floyd was a friend of theirs, a friend, because somebody in the family always breaking the law. Yes, that's our friend, but he really your lawyer. Cause, <laughs> but anyway, I had gone to his office for something. He said, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, Bobby. I said, I sit down, girl. And he took some money out. He said, oh, yeah, that's my retainer. He's nothing but fives and ones. I thought he wouldn't stick up a McDonald's to, to pay his bail money. He said, I, that's all, all I get all day long, fives and ones, and every now and then I get a ten. He said, he done went somewhere and stuck up a McDonald's to pay his bail, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, Floyd saw Aubrey in jail that morning. He looked and he said, well, a word I can't explain and repeat here. He said, what you doing sitting up in here? <laughs> Aubrey said, he said, I was in bad shape. He must have known I was. He said, because I didn't go to the bathroom all night long. I didn't sleep all night long. I said, well, that's what jail is for, for you not to want to stay in there. It'll make it comfortable for you. But his buddy let him down. See? And he never forgot that. See, when your best friend lets you down or your best friend leads you astray, it leaves an impression in you. Some people are messed up for life because of things. Now, he was able to laugh about it, but he didn't trust that brother but so far. You understand what I'm saying? And so Jesus says, I won't do. That's what forsake means. Forsake means you somewhere where you can't help yourself and you need help and I don't rescue you. Amen. Or I didn't ask somebody to help you. And so Jesus says, I will never leave you, never forsake you. So you know heaven is a secure place to trust in. That's why he gives us these promises. So that when God tells us, you can trust me, we know that we're what we're entrusting him with. If you're giving your time, your energy, all of that stuff to the work of the Lord, it's being entrusted in heaven in your account. Those things count toward the blessings that God sends you in your life. Always look to increase your investment. If you've got an investment in something that's really uh, powerful and really going to take care of you, you're looking to invest more, not less. Don't ever get to the point where you think you're doing enough for the church or you're doing enough for God or you're doing enough for your family or you're doing enough forever whoever God has you invested in don't ever feel like you're doing enough or too much for them you got me because you're on your way to getting down you know what I'm saying and really when when there's more to do to me that's a signal your account is getting low huh 
Now I know that's gonna flip some of y'all out because you think you, you doing everything and then some. You know, just cause it seems like it's an effort for you. It's an effort for you cause the devil's pulling you the other way. Have you not figured that out yet? That's gonna be there. The devil's pull is always going to be against you being obedient to the will of God, the commitment of God, the assignment of God. See, we want a job, but we don't want to think about that job as an assignment. We want to think we can leave there anytime we want to, take a day off, take a chill pill, whatever. Well, if you don't keep your assignment, it goes undone. That's why people who work for God seem to be overworked. You got me? Because there are people who won't do anything, who are assigned to do certain things, and they're AWOL. So there's always more to do for God. What did he say? The harvest is plenty ripe out there. There's a lot of people out there need me, but the laborers are few. In other words, I can't get enough people to pay enough attention to the word to understand that they're the ones I'm telling to go out and do these things and be open to do them wherever they are. And so there is a a conflict here with what we see in the natural and what heaven really uh, understands and what heaven's trying to communicate to us. God's trying to tell us there's never enough workers down here for him. While the ones of us who are doing the minimum think we're overworked. And looking to do less. The devil will always have your eyes look at somebody else in church and tell you you're doing more than they are. They don't do this. They don't do that. That's his his field of endeavor. To keep people deceived and confused and dazed and confused. So where is your treasure located? Where is your storehouse? It's either heaven or earth. Jesus says where your storehouse is, that's where your heart is. That's how you locate your heart. When you go home, look around your house and you will locate what you love and what you value. Amen. Just go there and, and, and look around and, and see what it is that you possess. And that tells on everybody all the time. See, if it's sometimes it's people who I have like a lot of cooking things. Amen. Um, Sometimes to my advantage and sometimes to my hurt. (laughs) Because drawers bulge. See, See, I, I don't go out and just buy stuff all the time. It comes to me. Huh? It, it 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 is a reflection of my heart and what I value because it's drawn to me without much effort on my part. Well, think about it. it. Who's been in my kitchen? Somebody I know. Everybody here, Jackie. I know, Jackie. Cut it out. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Have respect for the woman of God. But like my utensil drawers are bulging. Not just my house, but also there in the church in Detroit too. And I don't go by. I haven't bought any of it. 
it comes to me without any effort other than my heart drawing it. See, your heart won't lie. Your heart always locates who you are, what you value, what you desire, what you believe, all that kind of stuff. I don't think in the last 10 years I've spent more than, I would say, about three or four hundred dollars. <laughs> I, I bind you, Jackie. Seriously, on kitchen utensils or anything like that. But they come to me. That's always been true. They've always come to me. It started when my mother-in-law passed away and I was a new Christian then. But we inherited all of her belongings, and she had a ton of Christian uh, kitchen utensils. They just show up because I like cooking. I like stuff in the kitchen. I like gadgets that will make the job easier, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. And, and so because that resides in my heart, it comes to me just by my heart being fixed on it and set on it. I say that just to tell you, now I know y'all got two forks, two spoons, bunch of plastic, you know, uh, Sam's chicken tubs. That's the, that's the dishes. <laughs> you know, I say them too, so I know how that works. I save all the plastic too. You know what I'm saying? But, but I'm just telling you that be, to show you the strength of desire in your heart. And how your heart won't lie on you. And what you have accumulated in your life and in your surroundings is a reflection of who you are, what you desire, what you like. It's just true. When you, if you love the word of God, I know how many of us? Tapes, books, boxes of tapes and books and more of this and more of that. You can't, almost can't seem to get rid of them. And if somebody ever told you, you know, is it, it, do you really want all of these and you need all of these? Oh no, you just go out and get another bookshelf, get another container to put them in, because you don't want to part with your heart. It's like a dagger in the heart for you to part with that kind of stuff. That's your storehouse. Your heart values that. And you, that's your, that's what your heart is. What you have that you have surrounded yourself with is a reflection of your heart. When we, uh, if you go in somebody's living room and there are pictures there of family members, their children, their, their spouse, and you know, even the dog has got a little, somebody, somebody made him sit still and get him in the picture too. It's a reflection of who you love. These things reflect and you surround, that is your treasure. That's your storehouse. Your home is your storehouse. And you surround yourself with the things that you love as a reflection of what's in your heart. So your heart does not lie to you. Your heart won't lie on you. Things you don't like, you shun. You don't even use your faith to accumulate those things. You could care less about those things. Sometimes it works out. That because that's treasure, because it's, it's dear to your heart, it translates into material value as well. Now, granny's pictures and all that kind of stuff, eh, questionable. 
But you watch a show like American Pickers where those guys travel in a van looking in people's garages and in their outbuildings trying to find something somebody who collected stored there and now it's worth more. Those men make a living doing what they do. They have so invested themselves in it and they'll talk to people, they'll talk to different people in different places in the country and find the same story. I used to go, my dad took me to flea markets when I was a little boy. And so it starts out, I love my dad and I want to be just like your heart again. See, this is something dear to your heart. And so they love dad. They tag along after dad. And dad starts sharing. Well, look at this. This Now, let me tell you about this, son. This is valuable because so-and-so-and-so-and-so and so-and-so-and-so. And and they impart from their heart to his heart because he loves his dad. He's not going to reject anything his dad tells him. And so he imparts into his son's heart a love for the things that he loves. And so over two generations, they built four buildings full of these little things that they've collected over the years. And now because somebody else loves them too and they get so many of them and they get highly valuable, they know how to translate that into bucks and dollars. You got two men coming by wanting to buy it. They can mark it up and get good money for it because they have a store. But they have translated a desire in somebody's heart into real material money. That's why Jesus calls your heart your treasure. That's where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And it's just like that. So your heart never lies to you. Your heart tells you what you desire. Your heart tells you the things that you draw around you indicate what's in your heart and what you love. There are many people who who scatter their affection. One day you love this and the next day you don't. I got people, I used to love their teachings, collect their tapes, but I've grown since then and I don't have so many of them anymore. I can give those away. You understand what I'm saying? I don't bother to do it, but you get that way. But there's always a love for God in my heart. It's just being expressed through somebody else's teachings right now. But I I say all this, I know I'm kind of boring y'all a little bit, but I say all this to say that you cannot deny your life where you are right now, what you possess What you have down here on earth and what you have stored up in heaven, that will not lie on you. That tells you where your heart is. What's in your house tells you what's in your heart. What What you possess tells you what's in your heart. Sometimes we have to be careful because we can love so many things and so many things at one time. We get an overload on those things. And that's where you get overextended you get into debt you get into you understand well you can buy you can buy too many nice purses you can go to get buy too many nice pairs of shoes you understand what i'm saying and so your heart sometimes will put you in overload in expressing itself but your heart cannot be denied you locate everybody by what they have in their surroundings that's where their heart is what they have in in abundance that's where their heart is. What they like to collect, that's what their, where their heart is. Some people, if you look at, say, for instance, your, your phone, 
If you're a person that likes social media, you got a lot of apps to get to a lot of different places. And you get to those places and, and you do what you do because that's where your heart is. You kind of give yourself over to that. After a while, it's not so much anymore. It kind of comes and goes. It, you know, you'll locate how you really feel about things according to the time you invest and the money you invest in it. Sometimes you have a lot of pictures. Somebody said, your contact list is is 500 people. I said, because I'll never uncontact nobody. It's too much trouble to kick people off of something once you get them on there. Amen. I don't just, I just don't want to have to keep collecting, looking up numbers. That's why I keep all of those. Amen. So it's not that I love accumulating contacts. It has a significance for me in other ways. So your heart then is able to discern the purpose for which you collect things around you as well. Some people collect for value, period, material value. Some people are very good art collectors. So when you love something, you give it your attention as well as you surround yourself with it. So what do you give your attention to is also a way to locate what's in your heart. What do you give your finances to? Your time and your attention locates where your heart is. And God tells you that's your heart is your storehouse. Your heart reflects every day what you love. Sometimes you, you know, you have relationships with people and sometimes you have to give a lot of time to that relationship and then the relationship wanes. There's some, a disconnect that's come into your heart. Maybe they are engaged in something that doesn't line up with your value system. Maybe it's just God getting you interested in other people or other things to do with your time. But your time will always reflect what's in your heart. What you love, you'll spend time on that kind of thing. So when you love the word and you love the things of God, that will be reflected in your time, your attention, and your money. What do you invest in as far as those things are concerned? Be careful when things come to you for free. There's always a connotation when it's free that is not valuable. I've heard ministers say this. People should be willing to pay for the word and pay for books and pay for these things. Don't always give everything away for free. And that is true. I think there's a place where you can sow seed because you expect a good return and you know that's a good investment for you to sow into. But I think also there is a place where where a person devalues something because it costs them nothing. Amen. And so even if you have to start small with people, you have to allow them to start to invest. For instance, if, if you're talking about giving and giving into the, the offering in the church, most of us start with our excess money or money we feel we can spare. Until your faith grows and you're able to give in a sacri- more sacrificial way and give in a more faith way because you know how to trust God. So when you can do that, you're teaching a person how to build their faith and how to increase as they go along. That's different from giving people everything. You got me? Sometimes when people are given everything, they lose the desire 
to to uh, invest themselves more into what they're doing. For instance, if, if people get nothing but welfare all of their lives, I don't think people really like welfare. I think that sometimes they're limited in their vision as to what they can attain because it's never enough to take care of you better than you would take care of yourself. So that can be a start until you can get a job and you can go on to something else, but it's not supposed to be a means for people to be taken care of. Why? Because they're not invested in it. So your heart has to be invested in something. Like what they're doing now with, with higher education. Almost everybody can go to college. Why? Because they can borrow money to go. And it's very, the, the colleges already have so much money allotted to them and they're waiting for people to come in so they can give it to them. It's the reverse of the way it used to be. So for that reason, the college education doesn't mean as much as it used to because people's hearts are not invested in it. It's just free and I'm living with mom and daddy. I don't have enough money to move out. So let me go to school and see if I can waste some time over there because it's paid for. I'm taking out a loan, but it's paid for. And so you have a lot of young people now whose hearts are not invested in their education. They're not invested in their futures. They're not looking forward to getting out and doing something with that. It's just a place to hang out now for a season because it's all paid for. So really free can devalue things to the point where we divorce people's hearts and interests from what's going on in their lives. And that's why we have a lot of people who wander around aimless in the world with no direction, no plans, no vision, no desire to do better. You know, you almost have to beat people up to get them to want something out of life. It's true. Because there, there we are so detached now from passion, commitment, Vision, longing, desire. You get everything you want with with no heart commitment. Their relationships are like that. You got people out here have already done everything married people do, so they don't want to get married. They have not been invested in their hearts in people. In fact, they, they keep their hearts out of things just so they have the freedom to move on to somebody else if it gets to the point where they don't want this person anymore. So we live in an age where the heart becomes detached from almost everything that we do as a normal routine in life. That's why people are so evil. That's why people are so easy to want to throw somebody in jail for saying the wrong thing to a sue you, take all your money away from, because you, you angered me when I came in your store because you don't like people like me or whatever we think of. And so in this day and age, we have to be careful to keep our hearts engaged in life. Keep your heart engaged in the things that you desire. Keep your heart engaged. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Proverbs 20, 27. We'll go there. Praise God. Y'all hanging in there with me? I hope you are. You know, it, it's, it's, it's amazing somehow how the enemy can get in and disconnect people from who they are. You know, get you to judge everything in the wrong way. 
you watch how you you so what you surround yourself with and how you surround but how proverbs 20 27 the spirit of oh i'm sorry that's the spirit of man is a candle of god where was that oh that's in uh jeremiah sorry jeremiah 19 because we're seeing the day of gross darkness and extreme wickedness and and people you know the other thing well i'll read the scripture to you the lord don't let me forget my thought there jeremiah 19 and verse 9 like i said 17 (laughs) verse 9 the heart is deceitful and above all things so it's deceitful it'll play you You'll think you love somebody and you're, you're fostering hatred there somewhere and then it pops out all of a sudden. You're embarrassed. They're scared. You understand what I'm saying? But the heart above all things is desperately wicked. Who can know it? He says, I, the Lord, search the heart. So God, sir, he does the work for us so that we can know what's in our hearts. He says, I search the heart and I try the reins. Even to every, uh, to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So God really rewards us or withholds reward depending upon what's in our heart. Which means that your, your mouth and your flesh can betray you if your heart is repentant and your heart is contrite. God will erase that and not hold it toward toward your account so he can reward you in spite that's how we get blessed you don't get blessed because you cease doing wrong you get blessed because your heart is toward serving god and the devil goofed you up some kind of way there you understand what i'm saying and if if there's something embedded in your heart that's keeping the love of god from flowing out he will make you aware of that so that you can repent and he can deliver you from that hindrance you got me so when your heart is given over to God, you know, the Bible says the, the, the uh, spirit of a man or the heart of a man is the candle of God and God lights it. So God wants to lighten, uh, put light inside your heart so that you can desire good things. You desire right things. You desire him and you trust him. And so for a deceitful in a wicked heart, God has a remedy of that or remedy for that. And that is for him to come into your heart and cause that to be enlightened. But you got to let it happen. You got to let it happen. And there are many times where we fight the enlightenment of God because there's something we desire so much more that we can't let him in and let, can't let him move those things so that we can be more in tune with God and, and begin to, to collect things toward us that are more favorable to God and more beneficial to us. We can start to lay up treasure in heaven because our heart has been changed. Your heart has been changed to desire. Like, for instance, the fact that I still love certain things in my heart and God brings them to me as the fruit of my heart or my fruit of my heart's desire is evidence to me that there are things that you can love and it's okay with God because he brings them to you anyway. You got me? 
So, so there are things that will show up automatically on your seat. And this, see, this is, this is important because this is how you know it's safe to trust God. God, you bring me this stuff all the time. I'm not even praying for it. I'm not asking for it. I'm not looking for it. You just know I love it or I like it or I used to like it and you shove it in my direction anyway. If it weren't okay, he changed my heart. It was shut down. And it would cease to come in. But every day I live, there's more. And not just with that. That's an example that came to me because I I was aware of it. Got me? Because I'm mad because there's so many utensils in the dishwasher to take out every time. It's supposed to be Rachel's job, but, you know. Baba, this is so boring. What is this anyway? You know what I'm saying? This odd little utensil and so forth. But see, that's how you know your desires. That's how you know your heart's pure. This is a pure desire. This is something that God wants me to have. Amen. Because it will come to you in spite of your praying, not praying, desiring, not desiring, all that kind of stuff will come to you because God has changed your heart and he can trust you with it. You can trust him and he can trust you. In other words, God... I gave my life to you and I see that everything I loved before that was okay with you, I possess now. Your love for me has not changed me to the place where I don't recognize myself anymore. See, God won't do that to you. He likes, he loves how he created you. When I die, if y'all think I'm a crazy old lady because I got a potato ricer and a masher and three mixers and another one in a box I didn't get to open yet because I got called home. You understand what I'm saying? He don't care what y'all think about me. Huh? After we can't even sell this stuff. We gonna have to give it away. Praise God. I get to be a giver even when I'm not here anymore. You understand what I'm saying? But your heart what's in your heart it becomes obvious to you what you desire because it reflects in where, where what you surround yourself with what's in your surroundings huh what's in there many times you don't discard things because of what it costs you to get them you ever go in your your garage and garage and basements tell on everybody you know, you can go in your garage and see what paint colors were popular back in the 70s. huh? You get to be a historian without even trying to be one. Amen. You can go in there and see what kind of furniture was popular. The little stick furniture and the lampshades and the ginger jar stuff and all that. Huh? You can see uh, uh, where the devil tricked you and invested a lot of money in stuff you thought was very valuable. Huh? Uh, remember Capo de Monte? Everybody liked that stuff on the Home Shopping Network. Amen. With the funny flowers on it. You go, that's very nice. Not my style. You understand what I mean? But people like that stuff. And so, but, but it, it tells a journey of your heart. It talks about how your heart can get fixed in intensely loving something. And then it gets fixed on something else. You move on after that isn't what your heart desires anymore. And so your heart will all, you can locate yourself 
by what you have, what you surround yourself. You can also locate your heart with what you're trying to get rid of. Everybody, everybody knows the breakup party. I'm throwing him out. Got a house sale going on. All this stuff is getting out of here. Huh? The love hangover where you have the the house sale with all the brother's stuff. And don't be smiling at me, Miss Pat, blinking your eyes like that. Huh? Right. Huh? Why? Because you tried a number in his cell phone and some woman answered and said, hi, baby, how you doing? So here we got the love hangover party going now. Huh? So you have control over what you let in and not let into your heart. Huh? It's what your treasure is. For the longest time, I, I found it interesting. I packed up all of my personal things when I moved. And I never put out any pictures of myself and my husband. I just never got around to it. Oh. Now, it doesn't say I don't love him anymore, but he's not here on earth anymore. And it, I felt it was easier to keep the pictures put away. Easier on me oh. than to have constant reminders. You do what you do. I don't know if that was better or worse or what. But I, I watched some, ba- some man uh, who was a news person and watched him on television. And this was maybe like five or six years after my husband had passed away. And he looked so much like him. And God told me, he said, you can take the pictures out now. Huh? Because God brought him back to life. See, I remembered him dying in the church. God brought him back to life for me so that I could remember him in life. You got me? So you get your pictures back. Doesn't mean that I don't, well, I'm a little mad and a little ticked off, you know, but (laughs) a little unfinished business. You understand what I'm saying. It's just that way. You live with somebody forever and they go off and leave you. How dare you? You know, you don't quit me, brother. I quit you. All that comes back. <laughs> you don't even like to be quit when they've gone forever. When they were... <laughs> so we talk about that. But but you don't ever, if what's in your heart changes. He's not the forefront anymore because he's not alive anymore. So God was able to put that in its proper place in my heart so that I'm not talking about him all the time as though except when I talk complain about him to y'all but you know I don't talk about him as though he's alive now I know some people who have spouses that have passed away that keep them I mean you think they're still alive the way they talk about them they're afraid to let go they're afraid of the pain but in God you have to be willing to let your heart hurt for some things got me because that is part of life. It's part of living and that's part of healing. So your heart will begin to reflect relationships, the status of relationships, the people that you desire to come into your life. Your heart will begin to reflect that. 
sometimes when when young people start to be more they stay in the mirror more that's always a cue that they're going to start looking for somebody to fall in love with because they already are in love with themselves huh <laughs> this is true little girls fix themselves up more you know start looking at everything they're not supposed to look at you understand what i'm saying when they start looking back there it's when you increase the prayer volume huh it's just true huh little boys i mean young men the teenage men they start sucking this in work out a little bit more buy them some weights and so you know what the deal is so you just up the prayer a little bit more and so they're making room in their hearts for affection toward another person but they got to make sure they ain't looking like chopped liver you know while they out there looking so they they always they always inspect the wrong things because a quality woman is not really that concerned. I mean, you can look good and all that. That's a plus. But she's checking out the pay stub. She's checking out how much education you have and or money. Nowadays, each, each one works. How do you spend your time every day? If she's a quality woman, she's looking at how you're going to fulfill your role. Same thing with a quality man. You understand? They're looking for, can she be an asset to me at all levels of my life? Men look in the long term. Huh? Is she a, <laughs> is she a whiff or is she a, out of the park? Huh? They all looking for out of the park women. Uh my husband taught me that he said i could tell by the way you talked he said you weren't looking for just somebody for now you got me he said over the years you've shown me that you were able to grow with me the average man that's worth having is not looking for a woman to take care of him And it's easy to do nowadays because the devil has flipped the script. It's three times as hard for a man to get a job as it is for a woman to get a good one. You understand all the good jobs are taken by females. So the enemy has flipped it over now. And so as a woman, you're going to have to be able to see potential when there almost is none. And trust God to direct you to that person. But you are going to have to invest some of yourself into that person so they can get somewhere in life. It's what a marriage is. You can't just let them stay on zero. You've got to be a motivator. You've got to be able to inspire your man. Huh? the truth my husband used to say you know he he liked it better and people don't understand this when i didn't work every job i had he either cussed them out cussed somebody out i don't see why you need that isn't that the truth Gigi? i don't see why you need that job anyway i yeah i'm saying huh 
it was God because I needed to be where I could be to study and pray. That was off in the future somewhere. But he hated everything I did. I'd come in in the morning from work. He said, you've been working all night? Yes. You know, sweat it. And he said, you look like you've been asleep. I said, well, they let you take a nap in the hospital. All them beds in there, you think I ain't going to get in one full of sick people? What you think I've been doing with sick people all night long? You understand what I'm saying? But he didn't like that. Got nervous about it. So if you can, I don't know why I'm telling y'all, if you keep the peace with somebody, you do what you do to keep the peace. We married already. This ain't no time for fighting and my rights and I got a right. No, I don't have a right to stand. In fact, I would rather be sleeping in my own bed now that you mention it. You understand what I'm saying? So you come to a place of togetherness on these things but if a person is in your heart you have to try and accommodate yes. you don't put them under stress yes. of wondering and, and all that kind of stuff you try to keep them peaceful in their hearts and in their minds that's how people get these deranged men I mean they, they, some of these people brothers ain't that hard to please and get to understand them you got to try to do it you know, if they want you to, to cut back on something and it's okay and you cut back on it, that's better than fighting over it all the time. And then they got a gun under the pillow every night and you nervous. You understand what I'm saying? Some people can't take stress like that too well. Be reasonable. You know, it's just too much crazy stuff out here with people. But I'm telling you, you have to let people into your heart in such a way. That you're willing to make appropriate sacrifices if they're passionate about things or they feel strongly about things. You have to learn how to try and accommodate that and compromise. This is no time to stand and, well, I got a right to do As You begin up off the floor, you do that with some of these brothers because they ain't up for that stuff, you know. They done married you, you done promised all this stuff, love and obey and submit and all that kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden you done got all testy with them. Just shut up and try to listen. Come on now. <laughs> huh? You know, I, I would tell him many times, I said, if you let me work, I wouldn't have to rifle your pockets all the time. Huh? <laughs> no, and he wouldn't, you know, and I didn't want him to. Work where? My last job, you know, I'd have, oh, she had to retire because of mental illness. I can't go back nowhere and get a job. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, nowadays you probably can, but <laughs> come on now. Sister got a rap sheet in the world and you know that closes a lot of doors right there. They like, whoa. And then they ask you what you've been doing the last ten or fifteen years. I said, talking to God. Oh, they really want now that puts you high on the resume. Put you on somebody's wanted list. So sometimes you get a little stuck sometimes. So what's left? If you're stuck and you can't move. You gotta let your heart get changed so that you can start to accept some things being for your good, you know, and not for your destruction all the time. You got me? It's not for your, it's always for your good. So your heart is deceitfully wicked, so you can, you don't even know what's in there yourself. God is the one who has to change your heart, has to purify your heart. He said he puts a new heart in us. He's not even fixing up the old one. 
So you can't fix up the old desires. Amen. But you can yield them to him. What's what's, you know, okay with God. He will let it be okay in your life. Sometimes he really doesn't care about the things that we like as long as it doesn't interfere with our life with him. When you when you have things that you love and are in your heart, you will spend time on those things. Don't try to withhold from people to stay in control in a relationship. Man, it's just witchcraft and people are on to it real quick and they'll move on very quickly because nobody wants to get entangled with that kind of stuff. Invest your time in what you love. There's nothing wrong with investing time in what you love. Invest your resources and invest time in prayer. Study the word where it relates to the things that you desire. Find out what God says about it. Find out what the word says about it. Psalms 37.4 says that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. You don't have to store up on earth things. You will have treasure, a treasure house in heaven that you can draw from just by living, getting up every day, worshiping God. Psalms 112.3 says, let me read that one. Start in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, worships the Lord. Delights greatly in his commandments. In other words, you don't get mad when God gives you the word and tells you something. You don't get mad when you come to Pastor Shirley for prayer, myself for prayer, and we give you the word. You may not like to hear it, but it will settle everything that concerns you. He says, his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. That means not, it won't skip you and go to your kids. It means you too. But it will be strong enough to leave something to that second generation. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. So if your children follow with God, they will be blessed and leave something to their children as well. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Now, why is wealth and riches in your house? Because you coveted it and stored it up? No, because you've got treasure in heaven and it translates to what you have down here on earth. See, when you have treasure in heaven, That is the highest form of currency and transaction you can ever have. So instead of trying to figure out how you're going to get this and how you're going to get that and how you just begin to obey God, begin to worship him and begin to thank him for his provision. Thank him for the things that he can bring into your life without you even trying to get them. Amen. I remember when I told you a story about me losing my rings and I, I, I really had thought to myself, I said, I'm not going to buy more than I can wear. 
You understand? I mean, valuable things. I, you Little trinkets, you buy a lot of matchy, matchy stuff. But valuable things, I won't buy more than I can wear. And I remember recently losing a ring because it kept slipping off of my finger because it was really more than I could wear comfortably. You got me? I got excess over it. Easy to do when you like things. Amen? When things delight you. And so I told the Lord, I said, God, I got to find that. You got to bring it back to me. I said, but when you bring it to me this time, show me what to do with it. You know, I should put it up somewhere so it doesn't get lost again. And so these are the things we have to, it keeps us from excess. You can trust God to keep you out of excess in certain things. Amen. He wants us to be delighted with what we have down here. And you will always have valuable wealth, riches, things in your house if you just worship him and trust him. So he wants to take the burden of things off of us forever. It's like this. No, it's like my uh, a good man will tell you, baby, don't worry about that. I got that covered. And you go, talking to me? <laughs> you understand me? God says it and he means it and he can do it. So he's like, don't worry about that stuff. I got that taken care of. He said, I know what you like. I'll bring it to you. You don't even have to sweat about this one. I'll bring that to you. You don't have to ask for it. He does that. When we start to begin to get nervous, it's because we forget what he's got for us. We forget. And so when you start to get anxious about things, go to the Psalm 112.3. Wealth and riches are in my house, God. I worship you and I thank you for everything that you're doing for me. And then you will find that these things show up. No begging, no, you know how faith people used to tell you, oh, you got, you got to describe it to a T, put a picture up on the, forget about it. Huh? The picture's already inside you. You don't have to constantly remind yourself of what you want from God. He already told you going to get it. Now I know a lot of faith people don't like that. I don't care because I'm trying to live a no sweat life. I'm trying to live a carefree life. I'm trying to live according to what the word says about be anxious for nothing. You got me? Uh, when it comes in, I'll know it belongs to me because it's going to come to my house. So wealth and riches will be there for me. Amen. So let your heart get invested. Young people, let your heart get invested in, in finding somebody to love. You know, I mean, y'all got dogs and cats and that's good. But we talking about humans now. Don't be scared of the human element let god have y'all cut that out see what's gonna happen is somebody gonna get evicted from up in there because <laughs> god don't like ugly he don't like you laughing at the preacher i know what i'm talking about i have messed up straightened up and messed up so many times in marriage <laughs> so don't play me like that but i'm telling you get yourself invested don't let your heart be stiff and still on things. Let God open your heart up because your heart won't lie on you. It reflects what you desire. Amen. Let's stop. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for allowing. Me.